Well, hello. Welcome again to Over and Under. I'm your host, Edward Henderson. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to do a Ramblin' Fridays, and Ramblin' Fridays is typically, well, it's, it's, I haven't put a lot of research into it. Uh, it's just like water cooler talk, you know, in the break room, different current events, how they affect us, the impressions that we take away from it. So today, that's going to be kind of a mixture. I do have some stuff that I've actually looked more into and prepared, but the very first part of it will be a typical uh, Friday rambling things, and then we're going to bury into stuff like the, uh, again, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, maybe Liz Cheney, some of the out-of-control things that we're seeing on streets like in San Francisco, L.A., New York, the incredible crime, and just the, well, the impression that I get is that these DAs actually want these criminals on the street. So if that sounds interesting to you, let's do this. You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared so, of rabbit holes. I don't know if about you're not scared of you, rabbit holes. America this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way and back. And to I told the you my last podcast, I'm, I'm going to start this mantra of America, make this make sense because it does not make any sense. I got that idea from a gentleman in San Francisco that is walking around his streets. He's watching children walk between homeless tents. They're having to step over needles, human excrement. And I mean, it's just out of control on the streets. The crimes are out of control. People are being assaulted and murdered by people that should have been locked up and yet they get taken in, they're arrested. They're back on the streets within days. This man is just making this plea. Please make this make sense, San Francisco. So in that same vein, I'm going to ask you, America, make this make sense because it makes no sense. So I wake up this morning to a news story of a taxi driver that was murdered. His name was Kutan Juma. If I remember correctly, he was an immigrant from Ghana. He's got four young children. He was 52 years old. I mean, he's the breadwinner. I mean, when these people murdered him, they did so much more then murder just an individual, which is heinous in itself. But people do not realize the generational effects that it's going to have on this family. They have just lost a breadwinner. Like I said, he was sending money home back to Ghana. And this story hit, it hit close to home to me because my grandfather, also a taxi driver in D.C., I think the year was 1945, was murdered. And we do not know why he was murdered. I don't know if it was somebody that didn't want to pay their fare or just absolute evilness. They never arrested anybody. Uh, we had no witnesses. We had a couple people said they saw something, but that murder went unsolved. What I can tell you is it had a tremendous impact on my family. I would see my mother at times as an adult woman many years later, 25, 30, 35 years, 40 years later, talk about her father and just tears would start rolling down her eyes. She was three months old when her father was murdered. She had a sister. She, I think she was four years old at the time. And that family was deprived of their bread earner, their father, and a relationship with their father. This is going to affect this family for generations. And God, I hope that these criminals are not treated like they are the victims because that is the new move for the left. They treat the criminal like they are the victims when they are wreaking havoc 
on our society. And, you know, if somebody like that gets out and they feel like they were the victim because they murdered somebody, what's it going to be like when they get out the next time and they do it again? I mean, I'm, we, are, we are pushing an incredible narrative, are we not? We're getting people to buy into this stuff. You know, and, and I don't mean to just keep harping on it. But once you start buying into a man is a woman, a woman is a man, a man can have an abortion, a man can have a baby, you can buy into just about anything. And it's just absolute, total evil. But my heart goes out to that, that family, and I hope justice will be served. It is these people that are being victimized a second time when we as a society fail to jail these people, and when necessary, put them to death. We are re-victimizing these families again. America, make this make sense. And how about Liz Cheney? I mean, she got her ass handed to her, did she not? And uh, I, I don't think it was unexpected, but she was elected with like over 70% of the vote. I think she was in the mid-20s and 20% of, of the votes when she lost. And that was after, I understand, a bunch of Democrats switched over to vote for her to try to push her over the edge, and they couldn't even get her out of the 20 percentile. But what is her deal? What is her motivation of not allowing for cross-examination if the beloved FBI that she continues to support unquestionably is all that she says that they are? Why not allow them to be cross-examined? Why not let those witnesses that they're bringing forth be cross-examined? One of the things that I think Liz would truly want to do, if she believes in the FBI like that, would she would want transparency. She would want it for the American people to see that there is no political motivation in the January 6th investigation. But that's not going to happen. You know, I was trying to figure out, it could be that Liz is just taking a play out of her father's old playbook. You see, for those of you that were born 15 minutes ago, the Democrats have not always loved the Cheneys. Matter of fact, they despised them. And you can go Google Dick Cheney's name just like I did. And there's one word that continues to come up next to his name every time. Well, not every time. That's an exaggeration. Way too often maybe more times than not. And that word is evil. Evil is what that man's name is just about synonymous with. And uh, I could probably do a, more Google searches, but I think this is interesting to put, well, to put it into perspective as to where I'm coming from. So back in the latter part of the 2000s, the Democrats alleged that Dick Cheney ordered counterintelligence be kept secret from Congress. Now, in specific about waterboarding and interrogation techniques that went way above anything that was authorized by the Bush administration. Now, I don't know how I feel about the waterboarding. Anybody that was involved in the 9-11 uh, attacks, I would say there's a part in that says do what you want to do, but you could get you could get bad intelligence. You could get somebody to testify just to stop the torture. And, and again, I'm talking about waterboarding. I don't have much to say on that. I'll leave that to the CIA. I'll leave that to the people in charge. But what I find incredibly problematic is that ordering that this be kept from Congress. Now, maybe you don't make it uh, available to everybody in Congress, but those people who sit on those intelligence boards, I don't know what you call them, that have the clearance to sit in on these kinds of hearings, you have to have some kind of oversight 
and it gives much to that whole perception of there being a whole other level of government that operates other than our constitutional government. And Dick Cheney was very defensive about anything that was brought up about the CIA, just like uh, Liz is about uh, the FBI. But when you are doing things and there's no oversight as to what they're doing, and when it's called into question, the best you can do is say, hey, there's nothing to see here. There's just one side of a story that needs to be told to the American people, and we want to control the narrative. Well, that's exactly what Liz has done with this January 6th committee. Regardless of where you are and your feelings towards Trump, you, you need to really grasp the concept of everybody deserves due process. If it's just a lynch mob, it doesn't take anything but a show of hands if, the, if you've got enough people there on site. But if you truly want to find out what happened? What if you do find out that the FBI is very politically motivated and they're weaponizing against not only Donald Trump and we'll get a little bit more into the Michigan kidnapping thing because they have some very close correlations and similarities and it does deserve to be looked into. But Liz Cheney, like her father, like, like the Bushes, like the Clintons, they have this air that they're better than everybody, that the, that the people of the United States can't possibly grasp everything that's going on, and you're going to just have to trust them, even when they are in total opposition of the people that voted for them. The people who voted for Liz Cheney were expecting a certain type of representation. They voted for her overwhelmingly. She sided with Trump over 90% of the time. But what what separated them? I mean, if all of a sudden she doesn't agree so strongly with something that Donald Trump has done, then give the people something better to adhere to. But Donald Trump gave the people solutions. He did not give them political fights. He, the only reason he was in a political fight was because he was always being attacked. And it could be just as simple as this. Have you thought about this? The Bushes, the Clintons, and the Cheneys have a long history of being in our government. And they're probably used to having control and influence. And Donald Trump is very disruptive to that power. Is there that deep, dark state that everybody keeps talking about? There's much to... Um, there's much credibility to believe that that might possibly be so. Did Donald Trump not only go in and ruffle the feathers of the left, but has he got into those power sources on the right? And regardless of what they might agree on, they value their power over any type of political agenda. He has been called the great disruptor. I believe both people on both sides of the aisle will agree he was the great disruptor. I don't know in my lifetime of a president that has caused so much disruption. I guess where the argument comes in, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Of course, you probably are starting to figure out, I felt like it was a good thing. But Liz is bold. If she feels that way about the people she represents, she could, she could be honorable. She could do, I don't know, like Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan used to be a Democrat. And if you remember that famous saying, somebody asked him why he left the Democrats. He said, I didn't leave the Democrats. The Democrats left me. So rather than try to circumvent them, he ran as a conservative. He ran as a Republican. And Liz, if that's the way you feel, you need to start either another party. I don't know what you would call it. 
Maybe you'll fit nice with libertarians. Maybe you feel comfortable uh, just walking right across the aisle. And it does appear that the hatred towards your father uh, has diminished greatly. That might be an alternative for you. But to have such an incredible loss as you had and start making comparisons with yourself and Abraham Lincoln, I don't know. That just has, to me, it had the air of narcissism. I, I don't think that you're anything near an Abraham Lincoln. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for your father and the influence and power that he wields, I'm not too sure that you would be sitting in your seat or the seat that you did hold. You, you've got a little bit more time with it, but you're getting ready to relinquish it. And Liz, when you look around at the people that you represent, you're looking at historic inflation. You're looking at the shelves in your grocery stores, and you know the shelves have not always looked like that. We are really starting to... I hate to exaggerate because I don't want to diminish what it's like to live in a third world country, but we're starting to look more like a third world country, not only in our politics, but in our ability to manufacture and to transport and to supply. When you look at the struggles of, of the farmers in your state, when you look at what parents are having to deal with in their schools, is this what you thought was of such a high priority? Donald Trump is no longer in office. He's not passing any policies. He's not pushing in a, any agendas. You, however, do hold a seat where you can wield influence. And yet you spend all this time, money that the average taxpayer does not have. I'll ask, I'll ask America. America, when you look at what's going on in your, your towns and your cities, when you're looking at your finances, would you have voted for, I don't know, 87,000 IRS agents? Did that look like what you needed at the time? Do you think we could have used, I don't know, 87,000 teachers, 87,000 Border Patrol guards, um, 87,000 police officers? No, Liz Cheney thought that the most important way she could spend her time is going after a president that is no longer in office. I mean, it is classic Trump derangement syndrome. There needs to be help for these people. Think about it. They impeached him when he's not even in office to impeach a president. You do so to remove him. I will not be surprised if the Liz Cheney's and the Chuck Schumer's of the world, 40 years from now, do not dig this president's body up and, I don't know, burn it, cremate it, throw it in a river somewhere. They are that deranged, they are that obsessed with this president that they would neglect their jobs, the lawlessness on their streets. I mean, I just told you a story of a taxi driver, father of four, that was murdered for no other reason than those people did not have their fare. They knew they were going to rip that guy off, and on top of that, they took his life. They took a father away from their children, and they took away a bread earner from that family. And now that is going to fall largely on us as a society. I don't know how they're going to feed themselves. I imagine that we're going to have to pick up the tab and help these people until they can find some type of footing. But you would think somebody like Liz Cheney would put as much effort trying to find out what is going on in our towns, our cities, because her communities, her state's being affected just the same way. What is going on, people? 
What is going on with these DAs who are putting people on the street? They know that they're going to murder somebody. They know they're going to assault somebody. They know they're going to steal. And yet, again, incredibly, they've got this mentality that it is the criminal who is the victim. And when they fail to deliver justice to these families, they are re-victimizing these families. I told you about the generational hurt that has occurred in my family from somebody murdering my grandfather who was a taxi driver. I cannot imagine if I watched the public try to take the murderer and make him the victim and did anything less but deliver justice, not only to that person, but to the family who has been deprived of a loved one. But no, Liz Cheney focuses on a president who's no longer in office. She's not even smart enough to understand that right off the bat, she's got at least uh, almost half of the country that doesn't care for Donald Trump. With a little bit of statesmanship, a little bit of political savvy, she appeals to people on the conservative side and the right side, and Donald Trump is no longer an issue. Matter of fact, start running this country like you're supposed to, and all of a sudden, Donald Trump may not have any interest in running as a president. But no, you're doubling down. You're trying to just heap on top of him. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Liz. He feeds off of it. He loves it. He loves for uh, what the FBI is doing come to light. He relishes in the fact that when it came to the Russian collusion that you, the FBI, you had absolutely zilch, not a nothing. And if, if the same thing comes forward out of this raid on Mar-a-Lago, how much worse will it be? You're almost assuring a run for the presidency and maybe his election. Maybe if you would focus on curing the ills of this country, if you would focus on people's safety, their ability to feed their families, Maybe, Liz, just maybe, if not you, you would elect a president that would be more to your like. But no, you're going to leave office and you said the work has just begun and you're going to continue on focusing on Donald Trump. You're going to keep him front and center, at least from my perspective and my view. I think he's going to benefit from it. I really do hate to do this um, because I feel like I'm on a roll. I feel like it's uh, really coming easy. and I know what I'm trying to communicate, but I'm going to have to hit pause because I've got an appointment that I've got to keep, but I'll be right back. Okay, so about an hour and a half has passed. I, well, I had to get my hair cut, so I'm sorry about that. I mean, I really felt like I was on a roll. I, I'm gonna have to go back and even look at whatever I said, but I know I was talking about Liz Cheney, but I guess if there's anything that you can take from all that is, America, help me make this make sense because it doesn't make any sense. Criminals are victims. Make this make sense. 57 genders. Make that make sense. Sexualization of children and an FBI with no apparent oversight. America, make this make sense. As a matter of fact, you have investigations like the Russian collusion and the botched Michigan governor kidnapping. People are not held accountable. They're actually promoted. And we'll get into that a little bit. Representative Cheney declares war on the very people that elected her and put her in office. Democrats joining forces with Dick Cheney. And if you've been alive for the last 20 years, you know how insane that is. 
America make this make sense? You know, maybe the whole Cheney thing, I can't remember if I addressed this earlier, is that Trump was such a disruptor of that whole Clinton, Bush, Cheney dynasty. I mean, they have been exerting influence for a very long time. And it could just be that Donald Trump did truly interrupt a tremendous amount of power that very few people hold. And they're always trying to sell it like they're trying to represent you. Again, when you look around what's going around in your towns, your communities, and your schools, did you think the prescription or the doctor's answer to all this was 87,000 IRS agents? It just boggles the mind. Again, America, make this make sense. Okay, that's enough for the rambling part of that. Uh, I'm going to go over some things that I actually looked into, read, researched, if you want to call them what I do, research. But before I move on, I just I, I shared some information with you about how my grandfather was murdered in Washington, D.C. And uh, this goes out to a young man that I know, friend, just moved to Washington, D.C. He's getting ready to go to school there. And uh, we were at a social event, and I told him that story. If for some reason you forgot me sharing that with you, I hope uh, you heard it on this podcast again. And I will ask you, again, be very careful with what you're doing, the company that you're keeping, uh, the social events that you're at. Situational awareness is the name of the game when you're in cities like D.C., maybe anywhere this day and time. But you take care of yourself. So earlier in the week, I was talking about the... I don't even know what you want to call it, the, the kidnapping attempt, the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, and come to find out that it appears that you had just as much involvement by the FBI, maybe even more so, or so a jury thought so, and acquitted two of the uh, people that were indicted. I don't know if I told you this, but there were also two that pled out. They are probably regretting that decision, but when you're looking at facing charges for kidnapping a governor... I guess you you cut your losses the best you can, but looking at how this is playing out and some of the FBI's involvement that is coming to light, it appears that the other two that ended up in a mistrial, they very well could be uh, found not guilty too. It's going to be hard to explain to people such as myself the FBI's involvement in uh, producing this kidnap attempt. It, It does at least appear from what is known that they had more to do with it than the actual participants. But, you know, it also has some elements that are very, I don't know, reminiscent of January 6th, too, because part of that plot was to storm the state house. I don't know if that's when the governor was going to be kidnapped, which is absolutely insane. That was another thing that came into trial. Some of the plans that these guys came up with, they're, they're just in. I don't mean to be disrespectful, especially people I don't know, but they sounded very Beavis and Butthead. They needed needed the help of the FBI to try to come up with some type of plan, but it did not appear that they were going to be able to carry it out, which is also very problematic for the prosecution. But immediately when the people were arrested and charged, Whitmer and Biden went on the airwaves and social media, media, blaming the president for agging this on or motivating this storming of the Capitol, it really does have a lot of commonality with the January 6th riots. Now, if it does ever come to light that the FBI did have plants within those groups of people, that's going to be a lot of explaining to do, Lucy. 
because Senator Ted Cruz asked FBI Executive Director of National Security Branch Jill Sanborn if Epps was an informant, and we'll get to Epps in a little bit. It was believed that Epps was an informant that the FBI planted within the group to try to ag them on and to get them to storm the Capitol building. They've got him on video doing so, but she denied that. But when asked about Epps, she said she could not comment. Uh, when Ted Cruz asked her, did the FBI have any involvement in the incitement of the riots of January 6th, she said, again, she could not comment. So if they were within that group of people inciting that riot, at least, at least this uh, FBI executive director will not be held accountable for lying to Congress because she withheld comments. Now, there's a lot of reasons why she might not comment on something like that. So I can tell you right now, I don't think the FBI liked all that stuff coming to light in the Michigan governor's kidnapping scandal because it, it just does not look good. It looks like they were the ones that were in charge of planning and or it looked, looked like they needed to have a patsy in order to take a fall in order so they could get to their real purpose. And their real purpose is to see that Donald Trump is discredited to such a level that he would never even think about running for the presidency. And it's just not working out that way. Again, if the Democrats and Liz Cheney wanted to make sure that Donald Trump did not run again, they could start addressing some of these problems that are plaguing our, our towns, our cities, our people. And again, like I said, maybe if they would do something productive, Donald Trump wouldn't even feel like he had to run. And then you start hearing testimony like that came out in that trial, and you come to find out it wasn't Donald Trump. It does appear that the FBI did. So there's big stakes on this last retry. Take it's going to be the last retry. I can't see them going for a third time, but you never know. That trial, I do believe, is already underway on those two that were found to be a mistrial. And if the FBI loses this, I mean, it's going to look really bad. And then come to find out if the FBI was within those groups of people and inciting those people to riot, they will have lost all credibility. Their credibility is incredibly hurt right now. I can't imagine what it's going to be like if you come to find out that they played as much of a part in the January 6th riots as they did that what appears to be a fake kidnapping attempt. I don't mean to be beating a dead horse, but did they not tell you that they had irrefutable evidence that Trump was colluding with the Russians? The Democrats told you that? You did those incredible hearings that cost millions of dollars. You had the Mueller report, and when it all came down to it, they were not going to be denied an impeachment, nor two impeachments, but neither one of those impeachments had one single solitary thing to do with Trump colluding with Russia. So you got the Russian collusion, you've got the Whitmer kidnapping case. If for some reason the FBI ends up with egg on their face on this whole January 6th fiasco, I guess we're just going to call that the holy trifecta that brought down the FBI because what alternatives would it be other than to dismantle the FBI and try to put something back together? Like I said before, those decent people who need to come forth within the FBI and understand 17 of them did so. Hats off to you if they did. I can't wait to hear 
the information that was gleaned from what are being referred to as a whistleblowers. And remember now, when we, if, we, if and when we get into it, Democrats love the whistleblowers. They are the heroes. So let's maintain that. And uh, I hope we do get to hear what was brought forth from this, at least at this time, this reported 17 people within the FBI that came forward. Hey, if there's good people in the FBI, they know how bad this looks. They got to be more sick of it than you and I are. It's like when a bad cop shows up. There's nobody more sickened than those good officers that get up every day and try to do a bang-up job. They try to keep their communities safe. They know the irrepute. So people like Comey, McCabe, Peter Strzok, you know they've got to be just as nauseated by them as we are. Okay, America, let's let's try to make sense out of this. I'm going to give you two different people. Ray Epps, I mentioned earlier, which I said some people are starting to think that he was an FBI informant and another gentleman, Mr. Martin, I want to show you the contrast of what it takes to be arrested and prosecuted. So Ray Epps is on, he's on video. He's on video trying to incite people to riot, as I said earlier. And again, the people are saying, no, that's not who we are. And then they start chanting, fed, 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 trying to call him out, pointing him out, making the rest of the crowd aware that this is a possible FBI agent, and he's trying to incite a riot. Don't fall for it. There's also a video of him talking to a very young man. He's got on a red MAGA hat. Might be one of the guys that attacked Jesse Smollett. But he says a few words in his ear. He's got his uh, hand cupped over his mouth like he's whispering into his ear. And then the kid goes off to tear down a barricade, and it looks like he's storming off towards the Capitol building. This is exactly what the FBI says they're looking for. They're asking people, hey, report your mom, your dad, your your teacher, anybody that you know back home that said that they were at the January 6th rally. We want to know this. But early on, they were given these videos of Ray Epps, and yet he's not being arrested. He's not being questioned. I think they finally did after a lot of pressure from the media. Well, I'm probably talking about people like Fox. The media doesn't care about stuff like that. But he meets the very criteria for being arrested and, and detained until he can be brought in front of a judge. But no, he is absolutely shown to be harmless. I guess they figured he didn't mean anything. He was just talking some big talk. I don't know how they did that. Again, America, make this make sense. Now, let's contrast that with Matthew Martin. Now, this came from an article in The Hill written by Michael Kunzelman. Uh, title was Judge Issues First Acquittal to January 6th Riot. Now, the man acquitted, as I said earlier, was a gentleman named Matthew Martin. He lives in New Mexico at the time of the January 6th riots. He was an engineer working for a government contractor and held top security clearances. Very credible person. And the judge found him to be so based on the testimony supported by the video of him at the event. People, let me just say this. This Again, this is a story of a man who was saved by surveillance video, by people filming on their cell phones. I mean, when you think about Kyle Rittenhouse, is there, is there any question in your mind, had they not had that video, that he would be doing life? But thank goodness somebody did. But anyhow, back to the story about Mr. Martin. 
uh, things that he was charged with entering and remaining in a restricted building. This appears to be one of the most common charges for most of the people that entered the Capitol building. Disorderly, disruptive behavior in a restricted building, violent entry and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, parading, demonstrating and picketing in a Capitol building. Now, he was invited into the Capitol building or so. That's what he maintained by a police officer that uh, he's on video clearly placing his hands on the shoulder. It looks like a very friendly gesture. Mr. Martin says that uh, before that he saw another man shake that officer's hand. That's that's in contrast to what the prosecution is trying to show Mr. Martin violently entering into the Capitol building, when in reality we've got him on tape. It looks like he's being welcomed in and ushered in. We have heard other stories from other people at the Capitol building that day. Now, that's not the case for everybody. We saw people breaking windows. We saw people going through windows. But you have a bunch of people that are saying that their entry point, they were actually ushered in by the police. It kind of makes you wonder why people were coming through the windows and everything. I mean, you see those pictures of those people climbing those walls. I think I would just used the stairs, shook the officer's man, hand uh, like Mr. Martin and the guy before him did, and walked peacefully into the Capitol building. Also remember this, people. The Capitol Police produced over 14,000 hours of surveillance videotape to that committee on January 6th. I don't know how much of it that they showed, but I do know that they hired an executive producer from ABC to show you what they wanted to see. But you can best believe, especially as we get into some more of these serious crimes, those people, those lawyers that are defending those that are being indicted, they're going to ask to see those videos. So don't be surprised. Don't buy into what the committee told you. I'm not, going, I'm not sitting here telling you what the committee shared with you is false. What I'm telling you is that it was not cross-examined. And I'm sure as these people that want to defend themselves... You're going to get a different story. Remember, there's always two sides of a story. You only got one. Yeah, Mr. Martin was very, very fortunate. He was fortunate that he had the means to hire a good defense. He's very fortunate that the surveillance uh, video corroborated what he was trying to tell the judge and contradicted what the prosecution was trying to sell. You know, the government obtained a lot of plea agreements early on. And like I said, it might have been the smartest thing for those people to do. But as you see people like Mr. Martin defending themselves, they too might be regretting those plea agreements, especially when they come to find out they, they might have been caught on video and it might have been quite contradictory to what the prosecution was alleging that they did. You know, another thing Mr. Martin had going for him was having those top security clearances in order to be working for uh, that, that government contractor. I mean... The guy has been thoroughly vetted. I mean, he is, he's, he's got gainful employment. He's been through some of the most strictest vetting by the government in order for him to do his work. You know, the prosecution was pretty upset that they didn't get a conviction. But as you and I should be upset that they were looking at this guy and they're like, man, this is a very credible guy. This is what the tape shows. This is not a good prosecution. Matter of fact, again, this is me Monday morning quarterback, and I would have let that one go because I would not want that to be held up in cases that would come afterwards to show just how far I will go to get a prosecution when I really don't have a case. 
Again, there's a lot of people that played out are probably regretting that. But what a contrast. You've got Mr. Epps inciting the people to go into the Capitol. And then you've got Mr. Martin. Looks like he's there to, I don't know, do some sightseeing. It is his, it is his country. It is his Capitol. And uh, he's shaking hands with police officers. And it looks to be very cordial. Uh, no acts of violence on his part. And he's the guy that gets arrested and prosecuted. The guy that was in charge of the Gretchen Whitmer case or kidnapping the governor of Michigan is now in charge of the January 6th investigation. Again, just for pure optics, I don't believe I would have done that. You know, I was watching Tucker Carlson the other night, and he had a lot more information than I did on that kidnapping in Michigan. But one thing that kind of stood out to me that he pointed out was on five different occasions, the guy, Adam Fox, I believe his name was, was offered $5,000 to buy arms in order to carry this thing out. This guy has nothing. He lives in the basement of a vacuum repair shop with two dogs and has to walk over to a Mexican restaurant to take a bath in their bathroom. It looks like he didn't want to do it. And the FBI looks like they really wanted him to do it. If there's no manipulation of the jury, I think, I think these two guys, again, it'll be a mistrial or they'll be found not guilty. The only thing that would make me uncomfortable if I was one of those two gentlemen is, man, the FBI needs a prosecution here. But back to Mr. Epps and Mr. Martin, what a contrast. One guy actually inciting the riot, and he's good to go. And another guy shows up, looks like he's there to vacation and sightsee the Capitol, and uh, he's arrested and prosecuted. It really does boggle the imagination when you look at the resources that they're using at going after this former president, Donald J. Trump, when they've got a president that is actually in power right now who seems to be selling influence. He did as a vice president, and it appears that he's continuing to do so as a president. Let me clarify that statement before somebody comes and raids my house. Allegedly, we have the laptop, which the FBI is no longer trying to say is Russian collusion. It has been verified that that is Hunter Biden's laptop. It has been alleged that for years, not just recently, Biden has been selling influence of his office for a very long time. Again, alleged. But when you see some of the flimsy stuff that they go after Donald Trump with in comparison, again, it just boggles the mind. America, make this make sense. Make those people that you elected, make them make this make sense. Earlier in a podcast concerning the raid on Mar-a-Lago, I told you that the president had accused the FBI of taking his passports. It was initially being denied. That has been verified as being true. One more time, the government, the FBI, have made allegations and statements were found to be false, and Donald Trump was correct. I don't know Donald Trump. I don't know the three past FBI directors, including the one now, Ray. But what are you going to do when you don't know the parties involved? You generally side with the one that time and time again shows to be correct. And you usually rule against the one who has proven to be false. It's a problem with not having oversight over an agency like the FBI. So right now, everything looks like a fishing expedition. They went in there under the pretenses that he took documents that he should not have taken. But when they're taking things like your passports, I mean, what else did they take 
Does Donald Trump know everything right now? It's kind of like one of those things. If you've ever had somebody break into your house and, you, and you've been robbed, and I've experienced this, you know, you make a list for the insurance company, and then you have those days where you need a tool or something, and, you know, you've already turned it in, and you come to find out, oh, my gosh, they got that, and oh, my gosh, they got that. So I don't even know if Donald Trump knows what was taken out of his house. So is this going to be like the Russian collusion? It's just going to serve as getting the door open so we can go after him for any and everything, whether we can prove it or not. Remember what I told you, my son said that uh, he felt like it was just to keep Donald Trump from being elected. It was, you know, if you had a got a conviction on him, man, that's just that's icing on the cake. But the main thing is for the Democrats and people like Liz Cheney and her family who have really exercised a lot of power and influence for a very long time. They've been disrupted, the great disruptor. That's why they call him the great disruptor. He gets them from both sides. When he said he was going at, to clean the swamp out, he didn't specify just Democrats or just Republicans. He was going after those power structures. So right now, though, it looks like the FBI, the prosecution, the government, they're going to hang their hat on that he took some documents that he could have declassified at will and may have done so. But that's where they're going to hang their hat on. But let me just share this with you. Again, going back to Hillary Clinton, and I'm going to be quoting this for the most part verbatim. This is FBI Director Jim Comey after the investigation into Hillary Clinton. Now listen to this. I have so far used the singular term email server in describing the referral that began our investigation. It turns out to have been more complicated than that. Secretary Clinton used several different servers and administrators of those servers during her four years at the State Department and numerous mobile devices to view and send emails on the personal domain. As new servers and equipment were employed and older servers were taken out of service, I guess that's like a polite way of saying destroyed and using new ones. And he goes on to say decommissioned in very ways like I'm going to assume like taking hammers to blackberries and hiring contractors to bleach them. Going back to the quote, piecing all that together to gain as full an understanding as possible the ways in which personal email was used for government work has been painstaking undertaking requiring thousands of hours of effort would have been so much easier had she just turned it over like Donald Trump did just turned it over but no she takes hammers to the blackberries and she gets people to get rid of it and as you know once it gets out the FBI has ways of putting it together I don't know that they found everything but back to the quote. For example, when one of Secretary Clinton's original personal servers was decommissioned in 2013, the email software was removed. She's so thorough. Doing that didn't remove the email content, but it was like removing the frame from a huge finished jigsaw puzzle and dumping the pieces on the floor. The effect was that millions of email fragments end up unsorted in the server unused or slack space. We searched through all of it to see what was there and what parts of that puzzle could be put back together. So it's possible that they did not possibly put it all together, but look what they did put together. 110 emails in 52 email chains. So not only did she send it out unsecured, there were it was found in 52 different email chains and that was classified at the time. Eight were top secret at the time. 36 contained secret information at the time, and 8 contained confidential information. 
2,000 emails were upclassified to make them confidential, and those would not have been classified at the time. Concerning that, though, you know, I might sound ignorant, but information that would have been upgraded to classified would have been recognized by a Secretary of State, or she would have probably been the one to take the steps to make sure that it was classified, realizing that the information was of a security significance. But she's very fortunate because that would have been 2,000 more cases of uh, upclassified, so that's what Comey called that. Now, people, I could be very wrong, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say concerning the documents that Donald Trump has will not rise anywhere near close to these breaches of national security. And Director Comey did say that it was very possible that it was hacked by hostile workers, and it doesn't matter anyway because the information that she sent out on 52 different chains was hacked, or at least some of them, at least based on the way I'm reading this. This is probably my favorite quote from that day when Comey just, whatever you want to call it, waves a special Pope wand over top of Hillary and says, nothing to see here, folks. After laying out what she, what they found that she did, he says this, and it's a direct quote. You can't make this up. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in a similar circumstance, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. To the contrary, those individuals are often subject to security or administration sanctions, but that's not what we're deciding now. Incredible. Man, this is just like when we're comparing Epps and Martin. You've got Martin that's getting prosecuted and has done literally nothing. And then you've got Mr. Epps on record inciting these people, trying to egg these people forward, and nothing is done with them. Here, you've got Hillary Clinton involved with, I would argue, obstructing justice. Whatever do you call it when you take, you order your people to take hammers to blackberries and hire contracts to bleach this information, cause the FBI incredible amounts of times trying to piece all these emails together, and they probably did not get all of it. I think that's a fair assumption on my part. And so my interpretation of that comment from Comey is a trained lawyer, former first lady of Arkansas, former first lady of two-term president Bill Clinton, which a lot of people call it a co-presidency. I believe there's some truth to that. She is a former senator, and now she's secretary of state. And she she didn't know what she was doing. That's that's what they're trying to sell you on. America, make this make sense. And now we got Donald Trump served four years as a president. He has held no other elected office prior to, and he's supposed to be an expert on this. And I, it's just going to be hard for me to believe that they're going to find anything concerning documents which he had the power to declassify. But let's, for the sake of argument, let's say he didn't. It's, it's just it's just mind-boggling to think that he's going to be anywhere near the violations that were found during the Hillary Clinton email investigation. Make this make sense, America. Demand it from your government. Demand it from your representatives, your senators. Make them make sense because this makes no sense. With that, I'm going to call it right there. Wishing you prosperity, health. Pray that God blesses you. Until we can get back together on Over and Under. Hey, I'm Ed Henderson. I'm out like a scout. Ain't no doubt. Y'all take care now. Bye.